Have you got a mystery that needs solving? Where is Amelia Earhart? We know. Who the hell was D.B. Cooper? Bah, easy. Bermuda Triangle? Probably solve that one next. Here at Private Dicks, we guarantee a mystery solved every episode. That's with a capital G. Every second Friday, the Private Dicks take a client, record their session, and solve the world's greatest mysteries. One by one. Private Dicks solve them, no problem. God, I love just crushing mysteries! Search up Private Dicks on your favorite podcatcher and you can solve a mystery too. The mystery of what's your favorite podcast? It's Private Dicks. Another one solved. If you have a mystery to be solved, call 1-855-PRVTDIX. That's 1-855-PRIVATE-DICKS. Call 1-855-PRIVATE-DICKS and leave us the rundown of the case. Maybe the Dicks will solve it. It's 855-PRIVATE-DICKS. Hi, I'm Ron Moorhead, and you're listening to the Paranomaly Zone. Look, I know the supernatural is something that isn't supposed to happen, because... A ghostly apparition in the dark of night. Human sacrifice, dogs and cats living together, that's his Hey there, ponderers of the paranormal. You are in the Paranomaly Zone, your weekly dose of all things paranormal, strange, and mysterious. My name is Patrick Koffenberg, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host with the ghosts, the paranormal poster boy himself, Mr. Michael Carbono. Mike, it is good to see you, even though I've been staring at your face for over an hour now. Over an hour. So, but- At least an hour and 20 minutes, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? I feel bad for you. No, 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 no. <laughs> Don't be so hard on yourself, paranormal poster boy. Come on now. Yeah. It's a Friday night. They don't night. call me a poster boy for nothing. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> it's a Friday night. It's time to party. It's time to party with all things paranormal, right? So good yeah. Lord. I well, if I my... wasn't doing this, I'd be in bed. Oh, Jesus. Well, I'm sorry. <laughs> Man. I, well, I, I figure with all that diet coat you're drinking that you wouldn't be able to sleep with that caffeine. No, that... just. It has no effect on me. Wow. Not at all. I think if I drank as much caffeine, Diet Coke, as you did, I'd literally be shaking right now. But Yeah. I'm, yeah. My insides are already kind of ready for the coroner. No. Good God. <laughs> Is there anything I'm else you want to get off your chest tonight? Partially <laughs> embalmed. <laughs> oh, goodness gracious, Mike. You're making me sad. Don't do that. Ah. Diet Coke is not the best thing for you. Oh, well, whatever. I'm drinking a Coors Light because that's just what I do on podcast nights. So there you go. That's- we have started drinking uh, Fresca as well, kind of switching off. Or- uh, I wish I had that sound bite. Thank you for bringing that up. How about a Fresca? 
but no. Yeah. <laughs> We're having an, no, seriously, it's, we, we do enjoy it. Oh, I believe you. I believe you. But of course, my soundboard is not working right now anyways for some yeah, odd reason. kind of weird. Yeah, it, was, it literally was working the, right before we started recording. And yeah, <laughs> it was coming over really good. So I think we should start before we uh, something else weird happens. Yeah, you know we mean? better. <laughs> We're not talking about anything important as a first no, subject matter. That's very, no, no, anyway. gosh, not at all. Not at all. <laughs> Oh, uh, before I forget, um, if you guys haven't checked it out, um, we just had an awesome, awesome time chatting with uh, Morgan Knutson on Wednesday, star and host of Paranormal Nine One One and Haunted Hospitals, featured on both, obviously, as a host slash expert. She's also an author. Her book, The Gift of Instinct, is available now. Highly recommend you check it out and check out our. If you want to just listen to smart people. Don't listen to us. Listen to her. <laughs> yeah. And I am actually going to uh, get send away for that gift of instinct. Oh, it sounds fantastic. Um, sounds yeah, fantastic. It's uh, something I can really get some good stuff out of. Yeah, 100%. We had a blast talking with her. And if, you, um, if you're interested, you want to support the podcast, you can always check out our Patreon page because the video chat of Mike and I talking with uh, Miss Morgan, you can see our lovely faces and Morgan's by far even more lovelier face than, than either of ours. Um, on video, go check it out if you want to support the podcast. We'd love to see you there. Tons of content over at Patreon. Too much to even bother listing the numbers. Just trust us. Lots of cool stuff. We'd love, we'd love to see you there, and we'd appreciate the support. Well, all that stuff's out of the way. The formality's out of the way, Mike. Yes, thank you. Thank you very much. Now, talk about take twos and take however many. We recorded an entire episode last, what was it? Was it Friday or Saturday? I don't remember. I'm not sure. But uh, we were diving into the the um, the topic of the curse of the Titanic. Now, what the hell do we mean by the curse? Well, apparently we were cursed because that episode yeah. did not work. Um, I actually published it, and then upon listening to it, I finally realized that the audio was shite. And so I, it was a mad dash to delete it from all social media and everything, you know, from our podcast platform and our podcast provider, I mean, and man alive. So mm. I was patient. I didn't blow up, Mike. You would have been proud of well, me. Well, yeah. Well, yeah. I am proud every time that you forego the explosion <laughs> of uh, emotion. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just kind of shrugged my shoulders and said, hey, well, you know what? We'll make, we'll make it even better this time around. And, uh, well, I hope so. I don't know if we're off to such a rip-roaring start, but we'll see where this goes. It's a utterly fascinating topic. Long-time listeners, ding, 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 know that I am uh, definitely not even close to being a, a connoisseur or <laughs> whatever you want to call me of the Titanic, but I am fascinated with it, and I know far too much about it. And I'm curious myself as to why I'm utterly fascinated with it. But when it comes to this curse, we're not necessarily even... We're not just talking about the ship itself being cursed, but we're, we're going to focus on the survivor's curse. Um, that's a big deal. You know, 50, it is. 1,500 people died on this ship. Over 1,500. You know, 700 and some survived. Um, that's a terrible percentage, obviously, but thank God those 700 and some survived. But a lot of them, Mike, led to tortured, very, they, they struggled Right. They, you know, they may have survived the sinking, but there's a number of them that did not survive uh, after, um, mm -hmm. you know, like uh, from the curse, if you want to call it that, or the suicides that were 
um, committed mm-hmm. after the, the sinking the, of the survivors. I mean, there is such a thing as survivor's guilt. Oh, absolutely. It's a very real thing. And it's, 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 it's tough. It's, it's tough. It's, again, this is a fascinating topic, but it's also very, um, well, it's melancholy. And it's, yeah. it's sad. It's just downright, downright sad. And I believe we're going to try and hit some of the points that we did last week, but also take a, take a look at this in a, in a new way, in a new perspective as well. But I, did, I do remember asking Mike, right, right when we started, you know, I said, you know what, well, Mike, you know, I'm going to lay this question out. What is a curse? And the definition of a curse mm-hmm. is such a solemn utterance intended to invoke a supernatural power to inflict harm or punishment on someone or some thing. And then I mm. ask you directly, do you believe in curses? And I'll ask you again. Your thoughts? Well, when it comes to curses, I think it has more to do with like maybe the power of the mind that if they feel they've been cursed or somebody says that they curse you, your mind can really put you through hell with that, I believe. Um, But as far as actually putting a curse on somebody, um, eh, maybe not so much, but not saying it's impossible. Right. You know, I I think that you mentioned last week too. If I'm remembering correctly, it's when that idea is even instilled in someone's mind. The littlest, mm-hmm. tiny things, in any number of ways, as significant or insignificant as they may be, if they're negative, they're going to blame it on this curse that's been instilled mm-hmm. in their mind. You know, it's right. like, oh, I stubbed my toe. Damn you, curse. You know, to yeah. Us. To as far well, down the line as actually, you know, dying. And if, and if you truly feel it, you've been cursed or your mind puts you in that mindset of being cursed. If somebody says they curse you, that by definition could actually be a curse. If it, if it, hmm. if it even in your mind, it makes things happen or that you believe that uh, um, you stubbed your toe because of a curse or whatever. Um, that could be a curse in itself, right? Yeah. If you if you understand what I what I mean, no, I do. I absolutely do. Yeah. Now, how are we going to start this one? How are we going to take on this this uh, this topic? Any number of ways we could do that to prevent a repetitive nature to prevent the uh, chance of sharing information that is, I don't want to say common knowledge, but stuff that isn't necessarily, uh, I guess, how do I want to call it? Stuff that isn't necessarily shocking. You know, it's like, oh yeah, we've heard that before. You know, mm-hmm. I want to, I want to start by focusing on just a few of the passengers who did, did survive Mike and some of the just absolute Tragic ends to oh, their absolutely. lives. And, and a, a lifetime. I mean, tragic ends after years of uh, going through hardship and, mm-hmm. and uh, you know. There's, I mean, there is a, a it's, it's a sadly a very long list of people who died uh, young and in very tragic means. People who, I'm talking about survivors of the Titanic. I'm looking at my, my notes here. 
The first one that I have written down is stewardess Annie Robinson. Now, what's interesting and also tragically sad about Annie's story, and I'll keep this as brief as possible, is that she was a veteran of shipwrecks, Mike. Mm. She had already been on a, 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 an ocean liner that struck an iceberg, believe it or not. Uh, a, a thousand passions, passengers were on board, and it was a very har- harrowing trek back home as the ship was just limping. Well, not limping, you know what I mean. Yeah. Uh, slowly trudging along to safety, and it, it was horrifying for all involved. Fast forward to 1912, she's on the Titanic. We all know the tragedy that occurred there. She survived the Titanic. Now, a mere year later, Annie Robinson is on another ship called the Devonian. The Devonian. The Devonian. And she's out just for a, a, a stroll on the ship when it enters into extremely thick fog. Such So thick that the ship has to sound its distress single, signals um, you know, cause it's, that's not safe to go for, uh, any further, essentially. Right. They want any ships in front of them, around them, behind them to know that they are there. She can't see where she is. She kind of loses her bearings. She goes into basically a mental breakdown and she dives to her death off of the ship. Oh, jeez. Her body was never recovered, and the only reason that they figured out that she had committed suicide was when she did not show up for breakfast the next morning. Mm. Never to be found. The last time she was found, or last time she was seen, was on the deck, essentially in terror. So was that uh, considered a suicide, or she just disor- disorientated? Disoriented? Disorientated. Not disorientated, that's for sure. It's disoriented. Um, disoriented, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Discombobulated. Well, that's a, yeah. And fell off. But it's it just it it makes sense that it would be a choice on her part, you know. Mm-hmm. It, it makes very sad sense because she had been through such trauma, and just these very mm. similar distress signals, and also like you said, I'm sure the sense of you know being disoriented and can't see in the thick fog. I mean, she panicked. She had an anxiety yeah. attack, and you know she just she just wanted to end it before it got any worse. Have you ever walked in a thick fog like that? Gosh, I don't know, man. I really oh, don't know. I have where it's been so thick and you do get disoriented, dis, 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 <laughs> discombobulated. Say it. Say it. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, you know, sound isn't the same. Um, you don't hear things the way you should be hearing them. I mean, it uh, it has a lot of effect on physical yeah, things like that. It's it's. Uh, I thought it was interesting and kind of cool, but oh gosh, you know. But I I wasn't so disorientated, disoriented. Disor- <laughs> you're, you're saying that on purpose now. <laughs> no, I'm not. <laughs> I but yeah, um, it's very interesting though. But if you're in a, especially out in the middle of an ocean, yeah, you know, and and yeah, and if she might have some, well, she's probably having some flashbacks to her other ship issues and absolutely kind of just put her over the edge literally you know and and, figuratively oh god yeah if if let's say it wasn't a suicide that almost makes it even more sad if it was a tragic accident you know sure. so i mean either way it, it's just beyond 
I mean, I can't even imagine. Yeah, no. And that's just one of many examples. Right. One of many examples. Several people died. Uh, probably the one, one of the most prominent one, the first adult passenger to die because a few younger children died from meningitis soon after they mm. um, arrived off of the Titanic, which is interesting and sad, obviously. I hate saying interesting because it almost sounds like we're you know, yeah. negating it to the to the side of, ah, eh, that's interesting. Who cares, you know? Yeah. No, we do care. Another cool fact about the yeah. Titanic survivors. Yeah. A three-year-old died of meningitis. Isn't that cool? Yeah. No, I'm not. I don't mean to sound like that. Survived the Titanic, but died of meningitis. Right. Isn't that cool? I mean, no, 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 no. Now, uh, Colonel, Colonel Archibald Gracie, one of the most well-known passengers on the Titanic, he survived. Um, he actually went on, went on to write a book. Um, of his experience on the Titanic. I have that. I, I, I'm, I'm not going to look up and try and find it right now. Um, very, very fascinating, short short book. You know, written from kind of a skewed point of view, you know, um, but well-written nonetheless. Well, he was a very healthy man up until eight months after he got off the Titanic when, according to his family... His body just started to break down, and his family mm. blames it on the physical and mental torment that he went through on the Titanic during the night of its sinking. Yeah. I mean, I buy that. How about you, Mike? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, a mental, uh, a state of such mental disorder I, is it's very, very liable to slowly cause your body to break down. Right. Well, even just um, simple, well, maybe not simple stress, but if, you know, in your everyday life, if you're going through stress, and I've seen this happen, um, where people can get like a bad rash even, it just starts like, it's like, almost like their skin breaking down. I mean, and if you go through enough, especially with a a tragedy like that, yeah, why can't it affect you physically, internally, or whatever? Certainly mentally and, you know. Oh, absolutely. Um, there was a gentleman by the name of Dr. Washington Dodge. His name wasn't doctor. He was a doctor. Washington mm. Dodge survived the Titanic, but in 1919... Too bad his first name wasn't doctor. He could have been Dr. Doctor. Dr. Doctor. Yeah. Dr. Doctor Washington Dodge. Paging Dr. Doctor Washington Dodge. That's kind of tough to say. <laughs> um, um, unfortunately, in June of 1919... Uh, Washington Dodge shot himself in the head while in an elevator and he initially survived that and mm. he was his body was seen from the top of you know people peering down in an open shaft mm. looking down and they could see him laying with you know the blood and all that wonderful stuff um, not wonderful but <laughs> yeah talk it about it was really cool wasn't another, that really cool My gosh, another really awesome. neat uh tragedy after the survival of yeah anyway go ahead well some people some people blame his suicide attempt on bad business uh decisions and situations that he was caught up in at that time but again family members say that he never truly recovered from the mental um mental stress mental anxiety from his experience on the titanic and 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 did any of them actually even fully recover even to even if that's the thing it was just a small degree that they didn't Mm mm-hmm Mm-hmm. Yeah, you'd never be the same. No. Oh gosh, no. Like just even the volcano that I went through, and typhoon, and earthquakes in the Philippines. 
that still bothers me. Oh, I, I bet. I mean, you know, and uh, um, so something that extensive, yeah, just you'll never get over it. Never forget it, that's for sure. One at the very least. One particularly sad case is of survivor Jack Thayer. Now, Jack Thayer was a young man who survived. Um, he had actually uh, uh, befriended another young man on the Titanic, one that was when the bow was essentially about ready to go under and they were both standing on the rails and they looked at each other and they're like, well, are we going to do it? Are we going to jump and swim for it? And Jack. And then the other one said to the other one, I don't want to die a virgin. Oh, good Lord. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) That was horrible. And then, yeah. And then the other one said to Jack Thayer, I want you to draw me like one of your French girls. (laughs) And And I want Bill Paxton to find it 90 (laughs) years later. (laughs) Uh, I apologize to the the Thayer family. Yeah. Um, uh, Yeah. We, yeah. I apologize. Great. Well, uh, when they both jumped, needless to say, Jack never saw his his friend again. He unfortunately perished. Jack survived. And some years later, during World War II, Jack's son died. He was a pilot in World War II. And his son died. That kind of set him off into, obviously, I mean, I, we don't mm-hmm. blame him. Uh, kind of put him down a little spiral. But then the, I oh, I can't remember exactly what year it was. It might have been the 32nd anniversary of the sinking. It was on the exact same date of the Titanic sinking that his mother died. Mm. Um, coincidence. Th- that brought everything back. That brought everything back. Uh, and that really set Jack off. And, oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say that one. That really, no, that really, um, yeah. <laughs> Anyhow, hmm. I, no, I, we apologize to Jack and the Thayer family. Unfortunately, he was—he slit his throat. He drove to a park, sat in his car, slit hmm. his throat and his wrist. And good lord, that's you know—you hear that once in a while where somebody had slit their own throat. I mean, I cannot. I can't fathom imagine. how that's even possible that I somebody can't. could. Yeah, I, it, ugh, that's ugh, that's horrifying. And and it's like. I, he had to have slid his wrist first and then his throat, or I, I guess I don't know, you know, it's like, how do you even function yeah. after doing that to do, to, to perform both of those acts? Um, yeah. I really don't know. Yeah, another, um, uh, briefly, anum- another prominent name, Mr. Frederick Fleet, the man in the crow's nest who spotted the iceberg, he eventually mm-hmm. ended up hanging himself on his clothesline. Uh, sure. Years later, after his well, wife he- left him, his wife left him because he said that he was starting to kind of Go down a, another spiral, Mike. And again, yeah. who's to say it isn't all related to the trauma from their experience on the mm-hmm. Titanic? So a lot of, yeah. you know, some listeners might be saying, well, you know, just put, put the odds together. You know, any number of people are going to commit suicide. That's just how it happens. And they happen to be on the Titanic at one point. So mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I get that, but I don't know. I think there's a lot of weight added to their experiences. Adding oh, absolutely. Stuff. I mean, well, look at, well, it, it, PTSD is what it is, and look at the uh, the soldiers that have that now, and how what issues they go through, and the suicides, and the yeah. mental health issues, and mm-hmm. you know, it, you know, P, PTSD. I mean, that's that that that's what does that. Well, of I course, mean, it does. 
yeah. It, it'll yeah you have that and you have uh there's yeah. a lot of ways that people deal with it or or don't deal with it yeah that's the thing don't deal with it yep right well mike it's that time we need to take it to our first time traveling excursion Ooh, yeah i see the yeah. time thing there i know uh well without any further ado I don't have any time traveling excursion sound bites because the soundboard doesn't work. <laughs> so this is going to seem absolutely no. seamless. Uh, no. Hold on, boys and girls. We shall be right back. And we are back from our first successful time traveling excursion of this episode. So we, we shall see how many more are to come. Uh, Mike, continuing along the lines of some of the just tragic stories of the survivors here. The family of the Yusufs, Y-U-S-U-F, went through a hell of a lot after surviving the Titanic. Mary Joseph, Yusef, it's spelled Joseph, but it's pronounced Yusef. Mm -hmm. She was four years old when she died from burns sustained in a fire at her home. Four years old. And if that isn't enough, her mother, Katrine, died at age 26, three months after giving birth to another daughter. Oh, jeez. So her daughter died from burns, burns suffered at their home, and then the mother died after giving birth to another daughter. Yeah. No, I just, I just, I hate hearing stuff like that but it happened man and it's so many of these stories are just beyond comprehensible sometimes yeah i i totally agree and now there isn't any survivors left no i believe the last one was milvina dean who passed away she was near 100 or late 90s and she was just a baby when she right. was on the Titanic. Been, yeah. I mean, like we're talking like not even a year old, you know. Yeah. No memories of no probably memories of, of uh right. Amazing. Um and and again I'm not we're not trying to lessen the importance of any of the, any of these people's lives by kind of reading them off in the list here, but I'm No, we're more honoring them than anything. I would and hope so. I would hope so. They would they're they're we're not forgetting them. You know, I mentioned Frederick Fleet, the man who spotted the iceberg, committed, you know, committing suicide, but it should be pointed out that the other man up in the crow's nest, Reginald Lee, also died less than a year later after mm -hmm. surviving the Titanic. He died in 1913, well before Frederick Fleet decided to take his own life. Mm. Uh, no, there's no information on what happened to Not on this one that I have, yeah. that I'm looking at right now. Unfortunately, I, yeah, I apologize for that. Hmm. I mean, I won't be reading all these because we'll be here for a long time. I, you know, I'm ashamed of myself, but you know, I, I was at, I, I was definitely curious about if there was any information about what happened to him. But you know what popped into my head? What's that? Yeah, I, I, I'm ashamed of myself, but oh god, the thought of uh, oh, he probably slipped on the ice or something oh, in his god. head. Mike. <clears throat> and I'm not making a joke. Yeah. It's just that is that how am I demented that that popped into my head? I don't I don't think not, well, yes, you are demented. Just just well, yeah. <laughs> accept it. See, now I want to know as well. So I'm I'm typing in Reginald Lee 
Sailor. There he is. And, uh, yeah, just, okay, died age 43, uh, just over a year after surviving the Titanic. He died of pneumonia. Mm. So I'm, I'm sure that, I mean, in 1913, that was a very common cause of death. Oh, sure. they Yeah. Not much for antibiotics no. at all. <laughs> so... Um. A, pa- a passenger, Eliza Hawking, died of a hit-and-run car accident in 1914. Passenger William Henry Taylor was crushed in an accident at the Southampton docks. Oh, God, it's crushed to death. My God. You know, and these, these are things that they do just happen. They, I mean, well, accidents yes. happen. Yes. But when you, when you, uh, you know, line up, you know, the people that are going through these, you know, they're survivors of the Titanic yeah. and, and they end up, you know, I'm sure some of them went on to, or plenty of them went on to live, you know, much easier lives and live yeah. to, to an old age of, of and course. successful and yes, everything. But it's the ones that did not survive after the sinking. Frederick Scott died in a boiler explosion while aboard the SS La Marguerite. Robert Eden, nine years old, hit by a car near his family home, got killed. Uh, more man, three passengers died from de- tuberculosis. Three sur- Titanic survivors died in 1916 from tuberculosis. This mm. uh, this story, I have to get, I have to mention this. Helen Bishop. It says here she died from epilepsy brought on by a car accident. Now, what is? age 23. You know, what is absolutely fascinating, and there's that word again, fascinating, but this is um, Helen Bishop, while she was on a lifeboat after the Titanic, or during the Titanic sinking, in, in an attempt to, uh, you know, I, I guess for lack of a better term, lighten the mood or maybe, you know, lessen the anxiety, lessen, lessen the, the stress of that moment. She decided to tell her fellow lifeboat passengers a, a particular story that she had just experienced. Her and her husband, they were wealthy. They're a wealthy young couple. They were on a honeymoon. They had delayed their honeymoon four months just so they could go. They wanted to make sure they could ride back to the States on the Titanic, the most luxurious liner of its day. And they delayed their honeymoon so they could <clears throat> so they could ride back on the Titanic. While on their honeymoon, they visited Egypt. And in Egypt, Helen Bishop received a reading from a fortune teller. And this fortune teller told Helen she was about to survive a great shipwreck. She would also survive an earthquake and she would eventually die from a car accident. Now, what is absolutely eerie about this is all of that happened. She survived the shipwreck, the Titanic. In 1913, her and her husband, while still on vacation in California, survived a massive earthquake 1913, California. Two parts of the prophecy came true. A few years later, Helen 
in a severe car wreck, suffered fr- a fractured skull, severely fractured skull. Absolutely affected her mental state, her, her well-being. She started having seizures. Now, this is where it's kind of up, up for debate. She was diagnosed with epilepsy, and that's what ultimately caused her death. But there are some who say that it was the car wreck and the severe head trauma that caused her seizures and ultimately led to her dying very young at 23, where she one day simply fell and died. Which can definitely happen. It can. Absolutely. It's mm-hmm. listed as epilepsy. But is was it just that? Um, right. It, it, either way, just two out of three. Mm. Two out of three. Good. Yeah. Man, what are the exactly. chances of that? <laughs> yeah. When you uh, go by those statistics, yeah. Mm. Uh, there. Yeah, there are so many. Then so many sad stories here. John Kennedy. Listen to this. John Kennedy. Like, not that John Kennedy. No. This, John Kennedy died of anthrax poisoning from an infected shaving brush. Ah. Infected shaving brush. Yeah. Anna Demesmaker. Sorry. Demesmaker. I'm sorry if I'm butchering that name. Anna, unfortunately, never recovered from the shock of the the disaster, and she was sent to an asylum where she died age Mm. 42. Man, this is like, it gets sad because then we and start, it just goes on and on. It and goes on. on and on because several of them, uh, Alan Baggett here died from convulsions due to his chronic el- alcohol problem, which was brought on from guess what? His alcohol abuse was brought on from like uh, mm-hmm. Arthur Lewis shot himself on a train. I mentioned Washington Dodge earlier, shot himself in the elevator. This gentleman got hit by a taxi cab. This man got blown up in a coal bunker explosion. Aboard the Adriatic, another ship. I, you know, if, uh, I'm going to spare everyone these these because I feel like I'm just rattling rattling them off like they're just numbers, and they're not just numbers. I right, I, oh, totally. I want to try and make a point here that these people, even though they did survive, Mike, long 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 of it is or short of it is, were cursed. Uh, in my mind, they were cursed from that survivor's guilt. I personally think mm-hmm. I would feel that survivor's guilt How, do you think yeah. you would mike or is that too oh, tough absolutely of a question? I, it would be just extremely difficult to deal with every day yeah and and they probably did every day mm-hmm. you know it would never leave their mind no yeah why would it i mean mm. so uh, there, i mean we can move on to some of the crazy bizarre coincidences and Talk about eerie. There's that word again, eerie premonitions that went into this tragedy. It's too much sometimes to just simply toss it aside as coincidence. Mm. I mean, do you believe in coincidences, Mike? Not really. Yeah. Is that any chance? <laughs> or is it just mm. you think everything is part of an overall scheme or just or some things just have to, have to be coincidence. Oh yeah, some small minor things. Just minor though. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's all, Mike. I see. I see how you think there. I see There's also something that would be really interesting to get into is uh, um, 
the conspiracy theories behind why this may have been a curse. <laughs> that's a lot of interesting. Oh, yeah, that's that's go that's digging down a well that's just it's too much. Yeah. Too much for for me personally. The yeah. the, the um I know the big one is the idea that it was not the Titanic that sank, but actually the Olympic because it was switched out in this big insurance scam. Yeah, yeah. Um, that that just didn't happen. It it just it, no. it didn't. Um, it's 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 unbelievably intriguing. The mm -hmm. again, there's some some interesting parts to that story that make you go, well, okay, yeah. yeah, I can see where that story might have started building up a little, gaining a little momentum, you know, but. And was it possible that J.P. Morgan was behind the whole thing? Yeah. <laughs> That's another theory. Wanted to get rid of his uh, competitors, his arch yeah. competitors. Guggenheim and John Jacob mm -hmm. Astor. And I mean. Yeah. Isidore Strauss. Man. I just, it's, that's tough for me to even, I, 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 they, I just don't buy it. I don't. And they, and they all did not survive the sinking. Those three. No, they did not. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the theory that the ship was attacked by a U-boat. What mm. do you think of that one? No. No. I just, yeah. I, yeah, I wouldn't I, think I'm, so I'm either. I'm not trying to poo-poo all this stuff. I mean, it's it's, right. it's interesting, but it's, I just don't, it just, it, the, it just didn't happen. Yeah. Of course, the uh, Titanic, well, the Titanic <laughs> was doomed due to a mummy's curse. Possibly. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> no. Yeah, that was um that story started from uh it, it uh, arose from spiritualist slash kind of wannabe psychic guy, William Steed, I believe was his name. Was it Steed or Sneed? I wrote it down. I think it was Steed, William Steed. But he was a uh, uh he wrote some articles that gained a lot of, and a book that gained a lot of momentum in the 1890s. And we're not talking about the other book, that we'll get to that one uh, shortly. Right. This guy wrote some very interesting, gosh, almost prophetic articles regarding ocean liner tragedies and, and wrecks. And one of them involved, the or one of them centered on the majority, if not all, of the passengers dying because of <gasps> shocking a lack of lifeboats. The, mm -hmm. the other article, all the passengers died because <gasps> shocking the ship crashed into it an ice iceberg. You combine the two, it's like, wow, that's okay. I mean, coincidence? Yes, that one's a coincidence. What the hell are you shaking like that for me? For me? <laughs> Why are you shaking like that for me, Mike? Come on, shake that thing. <laughs> Uh, uh, yeah, I'm just twitching my foot. Oh, why are you twitching it, your foot? It, I don't know. It's like, I don't, I just total, just, uh, hmm. I don't know. It's a nervous twitch. Maybe. Is that, is that a sign that you like, you, you're, you, am I talking too much? Mike? Oh no, no, no. You're not enjoying yourself. No. It's like, Oh, I am. Absolutely. You want me to, zip, but there is, there is one. It? Go ahead. What? Well, go ahead. No, that's okay. Go ahead. What were you going to say? <laughs> there is one more huge conspiracy theory. The secret message about the Pope. Oh God, yeah, that's right. <laughs> the numbers on the on the hull of the of the of the Titanic. Oh man, I have to look that one up again. It's like three nine zero. I don't remember the exact order. 
Yeah, I don't either. The whole uh, oh, the three nine zero nine oh four. Yes, yes. So three nine zero nine zero four. The whole number is signed by her builders and <laughs> and the superstitious dock workers. Some of the Harland and Wolf yard workers, when they said they saw that number mirrored, they saw it in a reflection. What did it say, Mike? It said no Pope. No Pope. <laughs> now, this is but a big was, deal. That's a big deal in 1911, 1912. In Belf Belfast, Ireland, a very big deal. Oh, good God, yes. The Protestants and the Catholics, and there uh -huh. wasn't a whole lot of Catholics that were working on the ship. Absolutely not. I mean, that it's uh, that it's not, that's definitely nothing to poo poo. I mean, yeah. the, oh, absolutely. You know, the man doing the hiring, he was not a Catholic. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Not even a wee bit of a Catholic. But I, 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 before I forget about that, I, uh, the going back to the curse of the mummy I, uh, story, mm -hmm. though, Mike, William Steed shared the story about this supposed mummy that, well, he didn't necessarily say that this, this thing, this mummy was on the, on the ship itself, the, the Titanic itself here. And I'm struggling to find this article. Bear with me for a second. William T. Yep, 94, 95. I want to make sure I get all this stuff right. Okay, I'm just going to read this really quick. Spiritualist William Steed at a dinner table, a dinner party aboard the Titanic. William decided to share this story, regale the table companions of his stories of travel and spiritualism. One of the party, Mr. Fred Seward, recalled Steed relating the story of an Egyptian mummy carrying a curse that brought sickness, death, and destruction to its owners. Now, this mummy in question actually was an inner coffin cover for a priestess of Amun-Ra, and it was currently on exhibit at the British Museum in London. Now, it says here that the look of terror and anguish in the painted eyes of the cover's main figure caused many who saw it to believe the occupant had suffered a, torment, suffered a tormented life, and there were some who wished to try the exercise the evil spirit captured in the mummy's soul. Now, mm. the tale, the, the, um, that steed's tale of the mummy's curse, it left such a great impression that it, that became, just as him telling the story became, uh, the focal point that it wasn't even necessarily the idea that there was a supposed mummy that was cursed, but just the idea that he brought up the story of a cursed mummy on a Titanic that eventually sank. And that when that story leaked out, people said, Oh my God, he awoke this curse by talking about this curse and therefore cursed the Titanic. I mean, that's how the writers worked. Mike, you know, it's they roll yeah. with that story, and that story gains so much momentum mm -hmm. that eventually got mm -hmm. just you know, you know, it's like the telephone game. By the time one message from one end gets to the other one, it's totally garbled and changed, and that's basically what happened here. All some people are saying, "What? There was a mummy on the Titanic?" No, that's not what was said. But that sure created. Yeah, a they mess. snowballed it, and they they just went as far as they could. <laughs> There's an interesting uh, coincidence about that book, Futility, Mike, released in 1898, the book Titan. Yeah. About the ship uh, Titan. Pretty it's pretty fascinating. I mean, it's it's referred to as both, but we'll go with it being called Futility and it's about the ship called the Titan. Massive, massive 
almost 900-foot ship sailing the North Atlantic, crashes into an iceberg. Everyone dies, basically. I mean, the the similarities are just, yeah. wow, they make you really scratch your head. Yeah. And this was 14 years The dimensions before. and everything. and Exactly. The situations, and yeah. just everything fit and matched. And it's like, wow, that's really interesting. Ah. I can't pull. I can't make myself say that that was a some sort of prophecy or some sort of prediction. But yeah, was a prophecy or prediction, or was it something that? Uh, oh well, you could even go so far as say it's somebody that read that book, and when the Titanic came out, and somebody had planned that this is going to be just like the book. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, well, it's still they, a long shot. That's a long shot, but man. And they, they did everything they could to make it happen. Now, did you know, Mike, I learned about this tonight. I had never heard about this, so I don't know how much weight I put behind it. It is alleged that there was a movie reel slash motion picture being played on the Titanic Scheduled two times. It went through the first screening, and it was so popular, they screened it again. The second screening started at 11. Didn't finish because the ship struck the iceberg 40 minutes later. Heavy does Dallas. You got it. <laughs> <laughs> it no, was so popular. This is this kind of blew me away. I need to do a deep dive into this to see if this is correct. Supposedly, the Poseidon Adventure was playing. The first original 19, like 10, 1911 Poseidon really? adventure was being shown on the mm. Titanic. I so, don't know if that's true or not. Yeah, um, you need to check into that. And at the same time, and if it was shown, uh, find out more about the movie itself and see if Gene Hackman and Roddy McDowell and Shelley Winters were in it. They weren't in that, that one. They, they weren't Probably in that not one. that one. No. no. <laughs> very, very infantile Gene Hackman. Well, not, not, yeah. not even alive. My God. Yeah. No. Yeah, Playing Hackman. a child that wants to be a priest when he gets older. Something. I don't know what the hell. They want to do something. Shelley Winters that swam and <laughs> had a heart attack after going under the water. Anything else you want to share about Poseidon Adventure? No. Okay. Great movie, though. <laughs> now, some of these natural occurrences here, we're kind of going all over the place, but I want to make sure we get a lot in because there is, um, in our final segment, I want, there's a lot of really, really eerie premonition type stuff that we need to share. And this is such a broad subject here. So, um, some natural phenomena were occurring the night of, that the Titanic sank, Mike. Mm. <clears throat> these are things that I haven't heard before. I, I <clears throat> well, there was... There should not be, there should not have been icebergs in that shipping lane at that time of the year in the North Atlantic. I mean, these these are well-experienced, well-traveled. They know the proper shipping lanes. They know what's clear. They know what's not. And these icebergs, just these icebergs, ice fields, pack ice should not have been there. But this particular two to three night span, the moon was actually the closest to the Earth that it had ever been in 1,400 mm. years. And the Earth was also closer to the sun 
Combine this with a spring tide, all of this weird gravitational pull and all the, all mm-hmm. the crazy elemental factors cause these icebergs to dislodge and they cause them to be in places they should not have been. Now, Captain Smith was going kind of fast. Uh, we might get into that later. But they fully were not expecting the amount of ice to be in their way. Uh, did they ignore a lot of ice warnings? Yeah, they did too. Did they not receive a lot of ice warnings? Yeah, that's true as well. It was a... Mike, talk about a butterfly effect. I mean, one right. thing yeah, exactly. absolutely set this down a path spiraling towards disaster that was inevitable. And it's, I don't know, too many coincidences for me to... Yeah, too many things that uh, they would have to have had known about that so they could avoid each one. Yeah. You know, like this, whether it was a different timeline that they went on or different, you know, whatever. Adjust their course a little bit, just by a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, and there's, there, I'm, I'm not going to bore everyone with the details on this one, but there was a gentleman who was going to be on my uh, Titanic podcast that I briefly had like six, seven years ago. His name is Tim Moulton. He's uh, an author and he's a Titanic expert, and he knows. He, I mean, he, st- he studied the. The weather patterns of those nights. He stuttered. He stuttered. He studied the the um, the stars alignments. You know that they they he just n- knew what the exact weather phenomenons on those evenings. He knew what they were and what added to this this tragedy. Long story short, the the night was perfectly calm. We all know that there was no moon. It was i guess uh, not impossible but very difficult to spot icebergs due to that flat calm there's no water bake, uh, breaking at the base of the icebergs and also tim malton the point i'm trying to get to here and i'm i'm failing miserably i, I apologize for that the atmosphere created an effect where the horizon was basically impossible to spot Absolutely impossible mm. to spot, and they they were riding in pure blackness, and they wouldn't mm. even if the iceberg was right on top of them, which it obviously was. They had no chance of spotting it, just because of this rare occurrence that was going on that evening, due to the weather and due to all the alignment. Mike, you're going back and forth like a monkey right now. What the hell's going on, buddy? I'm adjusting. Okay, one last <laughs> one. Uh, it is theorized that the iceberg that they that the Titanic sideswipe actually had just rolled over, spun, and the saturated part of the massive iceberg was now exposed over the water. And since it, since it was saturated, it appeared darker, making it even mm-hmm. more difficult to see as opposed to the bright white iceberg that maybe would have given them a chance of spotting it in time. Yeah, at least we don't something know. possibly... Uh, talking and, about uh, yeah you're going to say some uh, talking about spotting the iceberg binoculars mike right in the exactly crow's nest. why were there no binoculars in the crow's nest well there were binoculars in the crow's nest yes. but they had not any access to said binoculars because the key was off the titanic mm. Why was the key off of the Titanic? Because, well, a sailor named David Blair 
was reassigned right before the Titanic was set to sail. David Blair was going to be in the crow's nest. He was going to have at least going to have the key. Well, he had it in his pocket. He forgot he had it in his pocket when he departed the Titanic. And, well, we know what happened. But after that, they had a policy of just hang him on a hook. (laughs) Not the key, just the binoculars. Just have him on a hook. How about maybe making 9 million copies of the key? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, one key on a 900-foot boat for... I don't know. There's got to be room. Uh, got to be room for some keys on there. I mean, we God. must find the keeper of the key for the Titanic. <laughs> it will be a long voyage because he's not here. I can tell Mike feel. I I I'm worried that Mike is either bored. No, or I am I'm, not. Or I'm talking too much. I'm fascinated. I'm oh. fascinated. Okay. But you know what fascinates me about this whole story is uh, that yes, please tell you me. You know when when this whole accident or whatever you want to call it happened the point of impact um it was such a gentle quiet evening and the impact was it it didn't alarm anybody it it didn't shake up the ship i mean people were thinking that it wasn't anything extreme it wasn't anything to worry about um uh there was some ice that uh from the uh, iceberg that came onto the ship, onto the deck, and people were just kicking him around and playing around and with with the ice and and uh, um, why people were up. Well, you know, it's the Titanic. People at like twelve thirty in the morning, you'd think they'd be in bed, but you know, obviously it was the Titanic. It was oh, a, people were still playing cards. People yep, were you know, having their in, drinks in the smoking yep, lounge in the ballroom. Yeah, um, but. You know, they had no reason to believe that um, there is reason for alarm to, to to find out what was going on, to get ready. I mean, so, so much time went by, and even if it wasn't a whole lot of time, it was enough time to make it to where there was so many things that were just too late. Well, this was this ship was essentially promoted as being unsinkable for God's yeah, sake. Yeah, and everybody had that in their mind. Yeah. And that, I mean, I'm not saying that started the curse, but my gosh, talk about throwing your your fate in the face of God almost, you know, if you believe in such a thing. It's like, this is unsinkable. We are man. We are at the peak of our creative, you know, this Titanic was a marvel of its time. It really was, you know, and they thought that this thing was, no, there's no chance that this is a microcosm of the power of, you know, well, let's just say high class white society, you know, it just right. it really was. And it's yeah, it was kind of spitting in the face of God, kind of challenging God if you believe in God. And it's like, well, take us on. And well, but we, it's not we, like we uh, um the ship company, um the white star line, it's not like they came out promoting it as unsinkable, didn't it? Come from uh, a reporter. Yes, doing it, a story on the ship. He and again coined steam, the term yeah. "unsinkable," and uh, you know that's all it took. And the thing just is, somebody doing a story. It was it was actually written as like practically unsinkable. Unsinkable. It mm-hmm. wasn't necessarily flat out unsinkable. They did right. have that refer. You know, they did have the I guess adjective of practically adjective or adverb. I guess I'm not sure right now. Of practically, 
unsinkable. So, mm. and then people took it from there and yeah. decided, no, uh, you know, it just changed from it just went on from there. Yeah, to you know, unsinkable. And it was definitely the those the, you know, when you're the people up in the lounge area, the people in the uh, the high priced uh, bedrooms, their staying rooms. Uh, those are the ones who didn't feel anything, Mike. But a lot, you know, mm -hmm. people up in the front of the ship, closest to where the iceberg struck, they absolutely they were blown off their socks. You know, down towards the bottom. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the 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 workers down there, the coal. Oh, sure. Yeah, the coal workers and the boiler room and everything. Yeah, and it was it was definitely a, an immediate notice. But this ship was so massive; people four or five decks up had no clue. Right, you know, exactly. They thought uh, they thought a propeller had been thrown. That's what they were told. You know, it's like, oh no, man, no worries. You know, with this, a propeller might have kind of got loose. No worries, hmm. we're we're fine. Or any number of yeah, just one of the tiny propellers that was on the ship. Uh, well, the propellers <laughs> were. I mean, they're massive, but they were too small for the ship. It, well, that's true, but they were big enough to where it would dwarf a person standing next oh, to them. Absolutely, <laughs> you know, absolutely. But for that size of a ship, yeah. Yeah. And the thing is, you know, I'm not going to bore people with the mechanics of the propellers and the, and the rudder and stuff, but those absolutely worked against the Titanic and when trying to avoid the iceberg, it just was mm -hmm. not possible. It wasn't possible to put the, to do all what was needed as far as like stopping the momentum, going yep. in reverse and, and turning, yep. it just wasn't possible. Yeah. Just not enough reaction time that will, no. you know, they would have been, for it. they would have been better off hitting it straight on. They, the ship would have been better off hitting the iceberg straight on. They could have actually even maybe sailed to Halifax and survived. That was like 700 miles away or something like that. The ship would have Halifax, been... Halifax, Nova Scotia. It, you know, would have been kind of tilted towards the bow. The bow would be underwater, but they would be afloat. And it, ah, ifs, ifs, mm -hmm. too many ifs, too many ifs. I get that. I yeah, get that. right. Mike, we have so much to get to here. Um, I, I know. Let's take um, our final time traveling excursion and let's come back and let's wrap this up. Uh, let's make the Titanic proud of us, okay? Hmm. Let's try. Oh, I'm sure. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, because we're doing terrible so far, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Well, I know. I have no time traveling excursion music. So, again, this will be seamless. Hold on, boys and girls. We shall be right back. And we are back after yet another successful time traveling excursion. Okay, Mike, let's make the Titanic proud of us here. Um, we have so much to try and get to before time uh, runs out. We have a, in, in all sincerity, we have a major storm headed both yeah. your way and eventually my way. Yep, both of us. Yeah, uh, we're going to get blasted here. And so. North of us, always there even had, well, there's one tornado that touched down and. Um, oh, yuck. Tornadic. I don't know what we're going to get here, but it's not supposed to be pretty. Not cool. No. Well, where do we want to start here, Mike? Um, there's so many, so many things I want to get out there, but uh, well, it it might it might not be well known. Uh, maybe it is, but that there was a flipping fire in the the in the uh, that's the, right the bunker. Of oh, was that? Am I thinking of the bunk? Yeah, I'm correct in the in the coal bunker, and that burned for like days, right when the Titanic set off. I mean, it was burning before the Titanic took off and during the first day or two while it was out on the ocean. And that was, 
Because that sounds bizarre and crazy, but that was kind of a common occurrence on these, you know, these larger ocean liners back in the day. They just figured that, ah, we'll let them burn out and, you know, we're safe, you know, especially mm. on, a, on a ship the size of the Titanic. But unfortunately, a lot of people think that that, bur- that fire burned way too long, way too hot, and yep. absolutely, oh, yeah. absolutely weakened the hull. Yep. It would have to. I mean, it, you would imagine, I mean, with that heat, it could have uh, weakened and warped uh, metal and rivets and absolutely you know, just uh, very much uh, um, damaged the integrity of the ship. Yeah, weakened it one hundred percent. That's a whole. That's another crazy aspect of the story, Mike. If you know, I encourage people to look into it if they're interested. Is the whole idea of the rivets? There's a lot of people who believe that many, if not most, of the rivets were faulty. Uh, mm-hmm. That they were not strong enough that that hull was torn that piece of the hull was torn away far too easily uh i don't know if i buy into that theory but again if you're interested i I highly encourage you looking into the idea of faulty rivets on the on the titanic because that's definitely a possibility that added to i mean it's something that would make sense when in this when you think about this tragedy you know yeah and and you know there's nothing worse especially for frogs if you have a faulty rivet Ribbit, and um, they uh, it's painful. So, is that why you sit there and have that grimacy look on your face? Because <laughs> you realize how bad of a joke you are about ready to spew. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm like already scolding myself you, in my I mind. I can see your face. You made me. I was like, what the hell? Am I frozen up? What's going on here? You made that face like. <laughs> All right, get ready for this one. Yeah, see, nope, it's just a, just another one of Mike's awesome uh, jokes. Yeah, I'm apologizing in my in my mind before I actually <laughs> apologize to the all the listeners <laughs> <laughs> we appreciate that that's yeah we appreciate that i'm sorry i have a weak ribbit <laughs> oh my god <clears throat> anyway uh so many <sighs> so many seemingly innocuous uh harmless decisions or decisions were made during the the evacuation of of the passengers you know by the officers one in particular um uh uh officer lightoller Char- charles lightoller told uh, fellow crew members to go, you know, to go below deck and open up the gangway doors. Yeah. Um, and the theory being that, or the idea behind that being, it would make it easier for passengers to to exit the ship and climb onto the lifeboats as they were being lowered past the gangway doors. It but, also gave them much less time to do any of that. Uh, that yeah, absolutely. And the, and the thing is that these crew members who were sent down to open the gangway doors, they did such. They are never seen again. The doors oh, were open. I'm sure. The doors were opened. And, Mike, all it did was exacerbate the, mm-hmm. the, the sinking. All it did was increase the flooding. Yeah. Um, another aspect that is this, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a normal decision. People who don't know what's going on, they see kind of some, some hectic action going on outside well hey i'm interested why is this why is the ship stopped you know they're mm-hmm. they're sleeping comfortably in their rooms so guess what they do they want to peek out the window peek out their porthole so mm-hmm. they open up their porthole windows those never get shut because out of curiosity they leave their doors they, they, they leave their rooms porthole windows left open again increases the flooding and increases the sinking of the ship mm. I just heard and felt a 
bit of a rumble of thunder. Did you know? Are you sure it wasn't a fart? You're okay. <laughs> <laughs> Too bad you don't have your uh, soundboard going. Oh, God, I know. <laughs> I don't know why the hell that's not working right now. Do you, Igor? No, nope, yeah, it's still not playing. I was going to say, no, 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 no. <laughs> uh, well, well, while we're while we still have connection, Mike, let's get to this fascinating list that I found. There's that word again. I need to find a better word besides fascinating. I use that way too much. But this is 10 creepy premonitions about the sinking of the Titanic. I'll try and get through these as fast as I can without um, lessening their importance. And feel free to jump in anytime, Mike. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we already talk, uh, talked about uh, Morgan Robinson's book, Futility, and the eerie similarities about the, the ship, the Titan, and its tragic sinking. Uh, another woman who received... A fortune teller uh, warning was Edith Edith Course Evans. She said, and she told, this is according to Colonel uh, Archibald Gracie, who uh, we talked about earlier, who also died, unfortunately, eight months after this. In his book, he said that Edith told him that a fortune teller had once warned her to, quote, beware of the water, and she was convinced that there was truth behind this prophecy. Now, I mean, that could be, that's kind of vague, that's, I mean, not, I mean, not vague. It's all encompassing. It's like a Nostradamus prediction where it could, you know, you could, anything could be interpreted out of that. But uh, coincidence, maybe or or maybe not. A lot of people reported just having really weird, eerie feelings about the ship. People did not want to get on the ship. Uh. One of them was uh, uh, Officer Wild, one of the officers who died on the ship. He was actually going to be the the head officer, not head. Uh, what's the term? I'm I'm drawing a blank here as far as their chief officer. That's what I'm looking for. Mm-hmm. He was supposed to be the chief officer on the Olympic, but then during this transfer, last minute transfer, he was moved to the Titanic. And while he wasn't. He wasn't necessarily going to complain about being moved to the, to the Titanic. He is quoted as saying during their stop in Queenstown, Ireland, he actually wrote a letter home to his sister that said, I do not like this ship. I have a very queer feeling about it. Now, I'm the, the term queer has gone through so many oh, yeah. different meanings throughout yeah. the years. But Over centuries, decades. Yes. But this one, yep. you know, back in 1912, that was just basically making, you know, basically meant like odd and kind of right. uh, foreboding, you know, and just mm-hmm. something that didn't sit well with them. Out of the ordinary. <clears throat> yeah, there you go. Out of the ordinary. Yeah. And unfortunately, uh, Mr. Henry, Henry Wilde was one of the many who passed away. Now, this is an eerie story. It's, I mean, it's sad, too. There was a man named Jonathan Shepard, and I apologize if I'm going as fast as I can here, but where Mike's about ready to get blasted by some tornadoes, I think. So oh, Yeah, I'm hearing some thunder rolling through, but that's okay. I'm good. As long as I don't get some lightning hey, you know, through my microphone into my face. <laughs> hey, <laughs> maybe maybe Mike... Uh, no, I'm not going to say. I was going to joke that you're going... <laughs> this episode will get so many downloads because it will be known as your final episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm kidding, Lord. Don't. I'm not tempting fate by any means here. Good God. 
Now, Jonathan Shepard served as a junior second assistant engineer aboard the Titanic, and he had unshakable fears about joining the liner on her maiden voyage. I am reading this, so I can go through this as fast as I can. Uh, he had many reasons to worry had he had, as he had been involved in a naval collision a year earlier. I can understand that aboard the Olympic. Uh, Jonathan's father was interviewed by the Northern Daily Telegraph weeks after the Titanic sinking and stated his son was, quote-unquote, down in the dumps prior to the voyage. When he asked his son, what are you afraid of? Are you afraid of death? Jonathan replied, no, I'm not afraid of death, but I do not want to go. His father also stated, my lad did not want to go on Titanic. He would rather have stopped on the Olympic. Now, on the fateful evening of the sinking, Jonathan helped the ship's engineers to rig pumps inside boiler room number five. However, a slip on the raised access plate led him to break his leg while Frederick Barrett, the lead fireman, and Herbert Harvey, an engineer, helped Jonathan to the pump room. The bulkhead unfortunately breached, and Jonathan died by drowning in the rising water trapped behind the bulkhead. Again, that's he just had a foreboding feeling. and It's got to mean something. There's too many people that have these, yes. these feelings that... Uh, and, and why would they when, you know, unsinkable out of it's unsinkable, right? And several passengers, Mike, we have, we, you know, not just crew members, several mm-hmm. passengers. And their accounts are still, you know, are, are known because, you know, through letters. One right. man here actually survived because he decided to make a last second jump off the ship. Mr. Alex McKenzie, I'm looking at him right here. Very distinguished uh, looking gentleman. This is very interesting. He says, while he was walking along the gangway, gangway to board the Titanic, he claimed that he heard a voice in his head warn him not to travel on this vessel. Mm. The voice was so loud he turned around but saw no one present. Shaking off the warning as nothing, he continued walking, only to hear it for a second and third third time each one sounding stronger and louder than the last and he finally decided to abandon this voyage and return to his hometown of glasgow scotland now what's interesting is because he was afraid to return home because of the backlash he was worried he would receive from his family because he wasted so much money on an expensive titanic ticket that would have only have lasted until the news came yeah and they mm-hmm. were very happy when they heard of that news that their son, yeah. their family member, decided to change his mind. Mike, do you mm. buy into that? Do you buy into him receiving? Oh, absolutely. The- so, what would that be? Let's talk about that for a second here. I mean, that's not any sort of ghost. It's not any sort of. Well, I mean, what it, what was that? If that be, really uh, happened, what was it? It it could have been a past family member or friend that came back to warn warn him or it could have been um if you want to call it a guardian angel or or your higher self that is uh you know coming out with actually you know saying to turn around to don't take this ship um it, it could be anything um it, it's definitely it, it was definitely real and once i mean each time that he decided to keep going whatever it was was going to make sure that this person heard it again yeah. and louder do not get on the ship yeah i mean what would you do if that happened to you i, I mean, would i, 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 wouldn't, I wouldn't get go. on the ship 
I would exactly. not get on the ship. And then exactly. I would and then I would go get, get my head checked to make sure that I was okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And I'm not saying that flippantly. I would seriously be like, man, did that really just happen or am I losing my mind? And yeah. am I lucky? That I'm losing my mind, you know. Uh, instead of yeah, instead of getting on the on 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 the Titanic, going home and getting on the internet every day and making sure if you hear news or see news on the internet about mm-hmm. the sinking of the Titanic. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if people uh, had the internet back in 1912. Another bad joke. That was terrible. Yeah. No, Al Gore hadn't created the internet in 1912 yet, Mike. So that's a bad joke right there too. <laughs> people. It's, it's a joke that Al Gore claims that he created the internet. Yeah, exactly. But he didn't. No, he did not. He might have had an idea yeah. after several other people told him about the idea. <laughs> yeah. No. no. Ronald Reagan, he no. invented no. the internet. No. Now, one uh, particular passenger, Edith Rosenbaum. Now, she, I always remember her because she's one of the rare uh, survivors who you can still find these fascinating interviews on YouTube, Mike, you know, back on like the, the 1950, 1960 interviews on like the, the anniversary of the ship sinking. And they talk to these survivors and they're elderly at that point. And I always remember her as being the one who carried her little porcelain pig with her because she mm. was in a lifeboat and she well, she, well, I might be wrong on this, but I know she had to go back to her room to get her lucky porcelain pig she would refuse to get on a lifeboat unless she had this pig, and she went back and got it. And during the interview, like in the 50s or 60s, I can't what it was, she still had that pig. Yeah, and it was actually what it was. is a piggy bank, and inside of it was her grandmother's recipe for scones, and she was not going to lose that. Mm. <clears throat> scones. I, I, I like a good scone. <laughs> With a wee cup of tea. <laughs> anyway. You, are you done? I'm done. Okay. <laughs> God, let me be done. <laughs> but she also is she's one of several passengers, maybe perhaps the most well-known passenger, who had a great foreboding and told people, let people know, know that she did not, feel good about getting on this ship. And this is these are quotes from her. She said that while she did think the ship was the most, quote-unquote, wonderful boat you could think of, she also wrote in a letter to her secretary from Queenstown, which read, I'm going to take my very much-needed rest on this trip, but I cannot get over my feeling of depression and premonition of trouble, how I wish it were over. Now, is that something that is sincerely foreseen the tragedy or is she simply not comfortable getting on such a gigantic liner and not feeling at at home at ease and there were so many people that had that sense of uh foreboding that um it's like your guardian angels or spirits or whatever they were many working overtime yeah yeah uh uh, finally my last example here 23 year old john coffee uh, John Coffey joined RMS Titanic at Southampton. John Coffey? John Coffey, yes. It's, and he joined, like the drink, just not spelt the same. Not spelt the same. Spelt the same as Chip Coffey, but not <laughs> Chip, but it's John. That was mine. That was a reference for from the Green Mile. Oh, I get it now. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, that's right. That's right. I haven't seen that Probably movie. Probably every that time movie. I see that movie. Do you? Oh. Oh, yeah. 
There's like there's there's some rough scenes in that movie that just make you just yeah. Uh, yeah, Tom Hanks's bladder infection was oh, horrifying. Good. God. <laughs> uh, Twenty-three-year-old John Coffey signed on to Titanic in Southampton. He signed on to the vessel to serve as stoker or a boiler room fireman, which offered a very healthy sal—well, not healthy, but a decent salary at the time. Um, yeah, five five pounds a month. Ooh, yeah, that's real decent. Now, despite being scheduled to complete a return crossing to the Atlantic, he chose to depart the liner during her stop at Queenstown, which was his hometown. He stated many weeks later that he chose to leave the ill-fated ship as he experienced, you know, go figure, a strange foreboding about the voyage. So, I mean, again, that's just another example yeah. where someone who... Yeah, just there's just too much of that to... Changed their, changed their life by literally saving their life by going with their gut. Mm-hmm. So uh, Ava Hart, yep, I, I, Ava Hart was a young woman at the time, and she said that her dad thought that they were, quote-unquote, flying in the face of God. Let me read this here. Despite being so young, Ava's memories of the tragedy never faded. It was, it was her belief that a premonition by her mother, sorry, her mother, not her father, Esther, saved her life as she believed deeming a shimp on... Deeming a ship unsinkable was flying in the face of God. Yes, that's right. Mm -hmm. So they just mm. had that bad feeling. It's like we're really tempting fate here. We are tempting fate. Yeah. Uh, and there, then there was the unsinkable Molly Brown. She was from the Titanic and yeah, absolutely new money, enjoying her time and lavishly spending money and oh, finally, a good I, time. I can't, I can't forget Mike. Uh, we have to briefly, because we're running out of time here, and I don't want you to die in the thunderstorm. Um, yeah, it sounds like there's some elephants <laughs> running by the house here once in a while. Man, we have to talk about the Californian, the ship that was more yes. than likely within 10 miles of the flipping Titanic after yep. it had sent off its many distress rockets. The Californian had settled for the evening because it was trapped in pack ice. It didn't want to move any further. It had actually sent a Marconi message to Jack Phillips, the Marconi officer uh, or Marconi operator on the Titanic. Um, unfortunately, the Californian Marconi operator was told to, quote-unquote, shut up, shut up. I'm working Cape Race. You are jamming me. That's what Jack Phillips from the Titanic told um, I'm I'm drawing a blank. I was was it no Cottom was the Carpathia, Cyril Evans was the California operator, but he and he's like, well, fine. I'm not going to tell you about the pack ice that we're trapped in right now. So see you later. And he shut off the Marconi, and they didn't mm. receive any messages until the next morning. About did you hear that the Titanic sank? People on board the Californian officers saw this massive weird. Light these this liner that up, appeared to be sinking on the horizon, shooting off distress signals. Captain Stanley Lord from the Californian basically decided to do absolutely nothing about it. I highly encourage everyone to do a deep dive into the Californian relationship with the Titanic. It will drive you nuts if you uh, if you let frustrating. It. It's it, it could have saved hundreds of lives. It could have saved right. all of them. No. But right. it would have saved hundreds if they would have responded. They saw it. It was within 10 flipping miles in the California just sit, sat there. If that isn't mm. cursed, I don't know what is. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Mike looks Crazy. like he's getting scared here. Because is your house oh, no. ready to fall apart? or? 
well, these 140-year-old windows, they aren't rattling yet, but boy, when the thunder <laughs> really starts going, oh, lightning, I see lightning. Well, Mike, I'll let you go then, buddy. Um, We got up to about an hour and 20 minutes. I think that's great. Uh, yeah. No last call tonight. We're going to change the name for the last call. We're not going to do another one until we think of a good name, and we're running late. Yeah, anyway, we're working so. on it. <laughs> but we have a great idea for the next episode, that's for sure, so... I can't Absolutely. Very good idea. Mike, do you have any final parting words on your thoughts of the curse of the Titanic? Mm, well, curse or not, pure tragedy. And there's a lot of, uh, I believe, paranormal uh, mm. incidents with this, you know, as far as like the, the, the feelings and the, uh, the, the messages that were being given to these, many of these passengers and the feelings and the sensitive, uh, whatever i mean yeah just it was all real there's too and there's, very tragic there's too much to ignore yeah absolutely you know there's something there's there's a higher power involved i really do think that i mean it is as odd as that may sound there's uh i don't want to say it was Peace. meant there goes my windows i don't want to <laughs> say it was meant to happen because that and that would that just doesn't sound right but you hear that coming across the mic Thunder. I just I just see you looking all giddy and excited or yeah. something. Yeah. Well, so. I I did change that uh that background noise before we started recording, so it's probably oh. not picking it up, but yeah, yeah it's true. I heard the the windows rattle. Well, perfect. <laughs> well, I'll let you go, buddy. Um thank you very much. I had a great time. I hope you did yeah, too. Yeah, absolutely. Hope, hope listeners found this entertaining, fairly fairly inform, uh, informative. I can't speak obviously, but uh we might have to do the do this justice by giving it a part two but i say that far too often we never get around to it <laughs> yeah we, we well we have them in mind at times so we do we do well thank you everybody for tuning in we appreciate and love all you guys mike until next time what do our paranormal pals need to do well i have said before and i'll say it again peace out everybody